When you read the Gospels and continue into the book of Acts, you encounter miracles. Miracles had a unique role in the apostles' ministry, but the apostles were quick to use those miracles to point people to the one whose power produced them. God still does miracles, but you're not called to do miracles. You're called to direct people to Jesus. Welcome to the Wisdom Journey. Stephen's lesson today is called, Do Miracle Workers Still Exist? Now, with the birth of the Universal Church and the establishment of the first local church in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, uh, this new dispensation, this new era of the church age has begun. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 43, we read, that many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, here in chapter 3, we're about to encounter a rather public miracle with the healing of a lame man at the temple gate. And by the way, this miracle is going to bring the church into conflict with the religious leaders here in Jerusalem. Now, before we dive into this account, we need to clear up some misunderstandings. Many people today have tried to make these miracles in the book of Acts a normative pattern for us today, and and frankly, they've created a lot of confusion. They've left a lot of people discouraged and disillusioned when they didn't receive the miracle of healing. What does the Bible teach about divine healers and miracle workers? Well, let me offer some, some perhaps surprising observations found in the New Testament. First, Miracle healing power was demonstrated by the apostles only. You know, many people have have the impression that the early church was a miracle-making church, that, that every pastor or church leader was able to perform miracles. No, the truth is only the apostles had miracle-working power. Again, Acts chapter 2 and verse 43 says, wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Over in Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, we read, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And then over in chapter 14, it tells us about the apostles when it says here in verse 3, The Lord bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. That is the hands of the apostles. Paul writes in Romans chapter 15 and verse 19 that he preached the gospel as the apostle to the Gentiles with signs and wonders. He also writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with signs and wonders and mighty works. So in other words, beloved, God uniquely equipped the apostles with power that that only God could provide. In fact, the last verse of Mark's gospel clearly connects these dots. Over in chapter 16 and verse 20, we read, they, again, a reference to the apostles, went out and preached everywhere while the Lord confirmed the message by accompanying signs. So think about it. The world is turned upside down 
as it's transitioning from centuries of Judaism and its sacrificial system to Christianity. And guess what God did? He graciously offered these signs and wonders during this transition period to show that he was indeed behind this new dispensation. He was indeed bringing to life a new covenant. So this miraculous, miracle-working power was demonstrated only through the apostles, but for very good reasons. Well, here's another observation to keep in mind. Miraculous healing was never performed simply because people were sick. There was a deeper meaning behind the healing miracles. Even the rabbis of this day were teaching that only God could heal blindness and lameness and and leprosy. Well, that was the point. Have you ever thought about the fact that if Jesus and his apostles healed sick people because God doesn't want anybody to be sick, then they were actually rather cruel men? Why? Well, because they left a lot of sick and disabled people behind. For instance, if if Jesus wanted to cure leprosy because God didn't want anybody to have leprosy, then why did he heal only a few of them? Historical sources uh, tell us there was a leper colony near the village of Bethany. Well, why didn't Jesus go there where, uh, whenever he stayed in, in Bethany with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and, and just heal every one of them, close that leper colony down? I'll tell you why. Because divine healing had a greater purpose. It was to validate the Lord and his apostles as true messengers of heaven. And let me tell you, there, there will come a day when disease and sickness and pain and suffering will all be gone But it isn't now, beloved. It'll be when we see Jesus face to face. Well, let me give you one more perhaps surprising observation to keep in mind. As the church developed, the miracle ministry of the apostles diminished. All you have to do is just keep reading past the book of Acts, and what do you see? Well, the apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 20, I left... Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Well, why not heal him, Paul? The apostle also writes that a man by the name of Epaphroditus nearly died while working with him, and Paul didn't heal him. That's Philippians chapter 2 and verse 27. We also know that Timothy had some stomach problems, but instead of, of, of saying, Timothy, be healed, Paul gave him a little medical advice, 1 Timothy 5.23. Beloved, we need to understand that the apostles were laying the foundation of the church age, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Miracles were mixed into the mortar, so to speak, to prove that the church was divinely designed. Now, we're not laying the foundation anymore. We're now 2,000 years past that foundational stage, that transition period. And and God alone knows, but we, we just might be putting the last few shingles on the roof of the church, and the Lord's return might be moments away. Well, with that, you might be wondering, does, does God perform miracles today? Absolutely. Can God bring about divine healing according to his will today? Absolutely. We can pray for it. We can trust the Lord to heal us if he wants to do so. But let me tell you, there's a vast difference between divine healing and divine healers. Apostles were divine 
healers. And that foundational stage is over. Now, here in chapter 3, we have the first miracle healing at the hands of the apostles, specifically recorded for us now here in the book of Acts. Verse 1 tells us, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gates of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Now, we're told in verse 22 of chapter 4 that this man is uh, more than 40 years old. So he's being brought every morning now to the most likely place where people are going to have compassion on him. In fact, Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, describes this gate called Beautiful. He says it was made of Corinthian bronze. It was overlaid with gold and silver. And in in the sunlight, it shone with spectacular uh, beauty. Now, when this disabled man sees Peter and John entering the temple through that gate, he's not expecting healing. In fact, he doesn't even ask for it. He asks for money. Verse 4, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. His healing, beloved, is immediate. It is complete. And by the way, it doesn't depend on the faith of this man. It depends on the power of the apostles. Today's so-called divine healers demand great faith from those who are ill or disabled. And that's a convenient little escape hatch, by the way. If the people aren't healed, well, you know, they just didn't have enough faith. Oh, no. Verse 8 tells us he immediately gets up on his feet and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Well, you've got quite a commotion out here in the temple courtyard now, and Peter steps forward to explain what's happening. He connects his miracle-working healing power to the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Let me make one more observation here, beloved. This lame beggar is a wonderful illustration of you and me. You ever thought about the fact that we were crippled since birth by sin, were destitute, poor, were unable to cure our disease? Only the power of the risen Savior can intersect and rescue our hopeless lives. And when God saves us, I think we ought to imitate this man here. What's he doing? He's praising God, but he's also standing with the apostles. And as someone put it so well, now that this man can stand, there's no question where he stood. Well, until next time, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
That was Stephen Davey, and he called today's lesson, Do Miracle Workers Still Exist? I trust that it helped you understand this section of God's Word. If you haven't already, I invite you to sign up for a free membership in what we call Friends of Wisdom. Once you do, you're going to begin receiving resources from Stephen that'll help you walk wisely through life. Friends of Wisdom receive an email from Stephen each Tuesday. He might send an encouraging article or an answer to a Bible question. At least once a month, Friends of Wisdom receive a free resource. Joining is both free and easy. Just visit wisdomonline.org forward slash friends. You'll fill out a brief form, and that's it. Do that today, then join Stephen next time on this wisdom journey. 